when you start to tap into the story that you tell yourself, whether it's you're not enough or you're not worthy of something or you don't belong, whatever that story is, is one first step to become aware of that narrative. That mm -hmm. is the first place to start is self-awareness about what are the things you're carrying around with you about lack and self-worth and your beliefs around that. And then from there, you have to be able to look at it, get curious, and start to rewire those stories, mm -hmm. reframe them. Welcome to Civil Action, the podcast of Cabotec LLP. I'm Brian Cabotec. I'm the founding member and managing partner of the firm. I'm also a past president of the Consumer Attorneys of California, a former president of the Los Angeles County Bar. I'm heavily involved at Loyola Law School, chairman of the board of directors of the schools, and I've been involved in trial lawyer politics in Sacramento probably almost my entire career. And I'm Sean Kernick, and I'm one of the partners here at the law firm. My resume isn't as impressive as Brian's because I am a lot younger than him. But our podcast here, Civil Action, features important issues. We go over new legislation that's coming down, new cases that are coming out of various courts, both in California, outside of California. And sometimes we bring on guests and go over interesting topics. And sometimes we just talk about new issues in the law. I'm Anastasia Mazzella, partner at Cabotec LLP, and I'm going to be your host today for this episode of Civil Action. Today we're going to be talking about a very hot topic, not just in the legal profession, but I think it's trending across all disciplines, and it is called imposter syndrome. We have a special guest today, Dr. Sohee Jun, who will be helping us navigate and define this phenomenon that I think a lot of us experience, particularly in high achieving, stressful jobs. Mm -hmm. uh, and she has a lot of tips to share with us. Just a little background on Dr. Jun. Should I call you Sohi or doctor? <laughs> please do. Okay, I I'll mean, call her I Sohi. I love doctor, obviously, <laughs> but please. <laughs> I will call her Sohi. She is a top leadership coach, a keynote speaker, leadership development expert, and Amazon best-selling author. She works with emerging leaders and executives to unleash their untapped power for themselves and their teams. During her 20 year plus experience in the corporate world, she has helped leaders transform themselves from frustrated executives to insightful, impactful, and inspired leaders who are engaging employees in exciting new ways and driving their organizations to great success. And full disclosure, she also happens to be a very dear friend of mine, <laughs> and we have had many meaningful, deep conversations about every topic under the sun, but particularly about work-life balance. We're both mothers, leaders in our fields, and the difficulties of balancing all of that, and she's particularly skilled in helping people find their authentic selves and happiness in their work and in their life in general. So she's particularly well-suited for this topic. <laughs> Before we kind of launch into the nitty-gritty, I just wanted to talk about why I became particularly interested in this topic. I personally have suffered from imposter syndrome probably my whole life, but it was exacerbated when I went to law school, and I didn't have a name for it or a term for it. I just thought I was insecure, but I couldn't show it because this is a very demanding profession that is based on peer competition for success. I read a quote once, and I'll paraphrase it, but it was something to the effect that the legal profession is might be the only profession where you are criticized on a daily basis and your work is picked apart. And that's someone's job to do that. 
opposing counsel. <laughs> and it's your job to do the same to other people. It's the adversarial process, but it's more than that. It's finding every little mistake that another lawyer has made and that you can take advantage of. So on the flip side, when you're doing your work, you're mindful of that. It's always something that you're hypervigilant about and you're always competing. You're competing to win the case. You're competing in law school to get the best grades. You're competing for the best jobs. Once you're in these good jobs, you're competing for leadership roles. So that high level of competition and stress, I think, breeds imposter syndrome. But you can't show it. You can't show weakness. <laughs> yeah. You can't show it. So recently, I've actually had the great fortune of seeing a couple really fantastic female leaders in the legal world. One of them was Chief Justice Patricia Guerrero, who's the first Latina to serve on the California Supreme Court and the first Latina to be Chief Justice. Mm. So she was speaking about her journey and she's a relatively young woman. Mm -hmm. And so she's achieved a lot in her career so far. And even in her story, I mean, really well-educated, great legal career background, but even she had self-doubt and felt that the time wasn't right for her to go for Superior Court judge. Then when she was encouraged to go to the Court of Appeal, she felt, oh, the time isn't right. It's not fair mm -hmm. to others who've had more experience than me. And that followed her even to the California Supreme Court and being Chief Justice. So I was taken aback by that and shocked. How could she feel this way when she objectively has had so much success yeah. and is such a leader and an inspiration? She didn't use the term imposter syndrome, but it immediately resonated with me and the things that have held me back personally from pursuing certain things in my career. Yeah. So I started looking into it a little bit more and the term is imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing a lot of reading on it. <laughs> <laughs> and a couple things before we start tapping Sohi's knowledge. So why is imposter syndrome a hot topic in the legal profession right now? I think if you Google it, Google imposter syndrome and the law or Google imposter syndrome and female attorneys and you will find a ton of articles, research studies. It is definitely a trending issue in, in the legal profession. Why is that? I think part of it, it's particularly for women. So there has been recent studies that show that both men and women suffer from imposter syndrome. But the studies in the legal world have definitely focused on it, women being more susceptible, female attorneys being more susceptible to it. Why is that? I think one of the big issues is some facts that we actually went into in another podcast of mine on gender bias and equality in the legal world. And just some quick facts that we actually point out in the other podcast with my partner, Mar Marina Pacheco. Women leave the legal profession in droves after a certain number of years. So one study showed that in 2010, less than one third of all lawyers were women. 12 years later, you would expect the percentage to go way up, mm -hmm. right? Because we've evolved yeah. since then. 38% of all attorneys are women. Ooh. The statistics get more dire as you start looking at women occupying positions of power. In 2020, about 22% of all equity partners were female and only about 12% were managing partners. So there simply are not a lot of women in leadership roles in the law pay gap between male and female attorneys is closed substantially at the associate level, but among equity partners, women received 78% of the compensation of men. So there's still a you know, pretty large pay gap there. Now, what does all this mean in terms of imposter syndrome? When you have a lack of mentorship, 
female leaders to look up to, when there's still a pay gap, that can all affect your already burgeoning self-doubt that you might have. Now you're competing against you know, fewer people to get more, which definitely intensifies it. You don't have mentors helping you navigate that world. So it, those are some factors that have been identified in making imposter syndrome particularly prevalent amongst female attorneys and partners. All right, against that background, let's tap into Sohi's knowledge. <laughs> Sohi, what Good is setup. imposter syndrome? I think when I simplify it, and I love that you said it's trending in the legal field right now, because what I know to be true is that it's been something that's been talked about, and probably not enough, all across sectors, all across different industries, and especially for high achieving women, really successful women. And what I think is interesting is that it's really unearthing what people have felt at all levels for so long, and especially the conversation about really high achieving women. And so what I'll say is simplified imposter syndrome is the feeling that you're not enough, you don't belong, and not you. And that's just, I think, a way to explain what we all feel when we're doing something that feels risky, or you know, we are one of few in a room or whatever context you're in, it is that feeling of insecurity, of that you're not worthy to be amongst wherever you are. And I think it's a feeling that as humans, men and women and women especially have felt for eons. And I love that it's being talked about in the legal profession, which I think is just starting to scratch the surface. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I think that's true. Yeah. Like I said, there's a big, I think the younger generations of lawyers coming in today are helping to foster this kind of discussion. Because I, I've been doing this, I mean, not a very long time, but 17 years. <laughs> and it was, you know, one of those things where if you're going to cry, go to the bathroom and cry, close your office door and cry, but don't mm. let them see you get emotional. I had one legal professor, actually, she had a great saying, it was still a gas. Does mm. it look like I give a shit? And that's what you're supposed to have that look on your face at all time. Keep yeah. that keep that composure. But I think inside a lot of people are suffering. Yeah. And, you know, it impacts everything you do. Well, here's the thing. And I think the beauty of what you said is that the younger generation, you know, however that's termed in the field or just people newer to the workforce mm -hmm. are bringing with them a realness that I think has been missing in so many professions, which is this desire to be who they are and to show some vulnerability. And it's actually, I think, really asking leaders that have been in the workforce and leading for a long time to look at how they're leading. That's what I'm seeing with the leaders that I coach in all the different industries, some of which are lawyers. They're really asking themselves, what does it mean to be a, a leader now? And how do we talk about these things mm -hmm. that, that we know inside we grapple with? And if we give air to it and let it be a conversation, that is the start of making it okay mm -hmm. to you know acknowledge that you have imposter syndrome or this feeling of not enough. Mm -hmm. And then the next step then is really talking about how do we deal with that? But it's, it's pervasive and that's what I love about the younger workforce. It's like they're bringing in topics that we have to talk about. Oh, 100%. Once I started telling people, lawyers and non-lawyers, that this I was going to have a podcast on this, I had so many people, particularly women, say, oh, that's a great topic. Yes. I have it too. And my husband, who works for Disney, yeah. said that he recently mentioned there are female engineers at Disney, and they were talking about imposter syndrome. Yes. It's a 
you know, predominantly male profession, male engineers there at yes. Disney, and they're coming in and they're talking about imposter syndrome. So Yes, I have so many examples if I can share. So one client that I had last year, she is really a top-notch art director working for in the gaming industry, a top gaming com- company, in which for the longest time she was the only in the room. And when she was at the time of having kids, none of them in the conference room or the meetings that she was in and invited to, they were not talking about, oh, I need to actually find a room to nurse and I have, you know, to care for mm-hmm. my family and all of these different topics that end up being a woman's concern in the workforce. And so for her, it was really understanding that her concerns are valid in a room full of people that didn't look like her mm-hmm. and knowing that they had validity that was the start of her owning some of that confidence Mm -hmm. that her concerns and her thoughts and what she cared about were valid and necessary to really changing the way things are done especially in a male-dominated industry Mm -hmm. like gaming like legal all of those things so her work was stepping into leadership in an authentic way and and really advocating for herself Mm -hmm. so it's everywhere it's everywhere i love that story actually it reminds me of a great she's a judge now and she was an attorney when i met her mm-hmm. great mentor very successful she had raised two amazing daughters and when i was pregnant with my youngest son and i was you know talking to her about the difficulty of balancing work and home and mm-hmm. she said let me give you a tip don't ever apologize for having children don't ever apologize for having to leave early to go pick up your kid or whatever mm-hmm. she said that's how you begin to feel like you're not an equal mm-hmm. when you are So I think that, you know, I do think women and people of color particularly suffer from that imposter syndrome. Yeah. And I think what you're alluding to there, that that advice is really about the mindset stuff. Mm -hmm. And that is literally the foundation of my coaching, which is when you start to tap into the story that you tell yourself, whether it's you're not enough or you're not worthy of something or you don't belong, whatever that story is, is one first step. And we're kind of getting to the tips here. Mm But, you know, I'll go any which way, which is to become aware of that narrative. That Mm -hmm. is the first place to start is self-awareness about what are the things you're carrying around with you about lack and self-worth and your beliefs around that. And then from there, you have to be able to look at it, get curious and start to rewire those stories, Mm -hmm. reframe them in a way that's more supportive. So this morning, I had a conversation with a mentor of mine who's now a dear friend. And she and I were talking about she was she's at the highest stages she's you know was on good morning america talking about her book that she just published an amazing book that i will talk about here called quit confidence because it gets exactly to imposter syndrome so this is a book by selena rizvani again called quit confidence and has lots of tips so we were just talking organically and it naturally weaved into what we do in our speaking part of our job and how we have imposter syndrome Mm. and this it was a reminder for me that even at the highest levels and of achievement, similar to the lawyers and the people that you look up to in the mm-hmm. legal profession, they all have it. Mm-hmm. And the game is not to ever think that you're gonna get rid of it because I don't believe in getting rid of or eradicating something. It's more about how do you notice it and make it smaller and quieter in your head mm-hmm. when it really lives up and is like getting really loud in that moment that you're in. And so we were just talking through tips or what she does to really quiet that imposter syndrome and what I do as I grow in my space of coaching and speaking. 
and it just reminded me in our conversation that it's at all levels and as humans we feel that so mm -hmm. let's talk about it right absolutely absolutely that segues into something I wanted to ask you about so mental health issues is also becoming more of an open topic in amongst lawyers they've done studies for mm. years decades probably about lawyers suffering from mental health issues anxiety yeah. depression is there a distinction between imposter syndrome anxiety and depression or do they merge together what is your what are your thoughts on that so obviously I'm not a psychiatrist and being a leadership coach what I have seen is that it's very gray and murky it's hard to say chicken or the egg in terms of one leads to the other or you know what gave birth to imposter syndrome if it's anxiety I do think that it heightens those feelings mm -hmm. that when I know for myself when I've had feelings of anxiety throughout my life, it does heighten that feeling of insecurity. So I do think they're very tied. Mm -hmm. It's hard to say, again, if one starts the other. And what I'll say is, especially in the legal profession, as I've had people in my life in the legal field, like you, Anastasia, mm -hmm. and relatives that are lawyers, they've, they have suffered from anxiety, great anxiety. And I've had experiences in which, you know, they've had to seek help and mm -hmm. really care for that part of themselves in a profession that is traditionally very, what I will say, in terms of how to behave, it is <laughs> it is very much a type A type of culture. Yes. Right. And very much driven by the wins and the competition to what you mm -hmm. say. So that can really exacerbate feelings of anxiety. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, no, that makes sense. If we take care of our mind and our mental health, I think it, and our physical health, I think it goes a long way to tackling the imposter syndrome. Yeah, physical yeah. health is also so important. Last month, by the way, was Mental Health Awareness Month. So that was, I don't know if you oh, talked about it last month. No, we did not. <laughs> Make time for it next year. Yes, exactly. Well, that's one of the things I'm trying to do with these podcasts yeah. is bring, you know, let's look at the legal profession holistically and not just as a bunch of cases and law, but looking at attorneys as people. Yeah, and the, you know, things that we experience because I definitely think, like I said, it's not something that was talked about that much when I was first coming up the ranks. And what I love, Anastasia, is in this work and giving these topics air and people talking about it is you're changing the way we glamorize this profession because mm -hmm. growing up, you know, I watched, I'm dating myself here, but like the <laughs> Allie McBeals of the world oh, in which yeah. everything was glamorized about mm -hmm. law in a certain way, yep. a certain way of being and showing up. And I think that whether we want to admit that or not, it is ingrained in us some way, mm -hmm. right? Media and marketing is really powerful, unconscious ways that it seeps into how we should be. Mm -hmm. And so I love that in this podcast, you are tackling topics that as humans, we need to talk about regardless of profession. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I want to ask you what in your experience in coaching people, how has imposter syndrome manifested itself in terms of affecting work performance or mm -hmm. seeking out better job opportunities? Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. Number one thing, imposter syndrome, whatever you call it, and all the women that I coach and men too, it keeps them small. It mm -hmm. keeps them waiting. So whether it's that, hey, I want to go for that promotion or I want to you know, advocate for that project that I know I can do, it keeps them small and waiting and looking for validation externally. Mm -hmm. So those are the common factors that I've seen where it's like 
they are seeking for someone else to tap them and say, okay, now we get, grant you permission, Anastasia, for example, that you can go for this promotion or we deem you worthy. Mm -hmm. It's almost that like waiting. Mm -hmm. And what I know to be true in all of the 20 plus years working with, you know, coaching leaders and just people at all levels of the corporation is that we can't wait. We have to advocate for ourselves. And I hate to say this, but some of this is true, which the squeaky wheel gets the, mm, that is the attention, is. right? Yep. And, and none of this is saying that you have to be a negative squeaky wheel. Mm -hmm. There is a way to advocate in a way that is direct and also kind. And I firmly believe that. That just amplifies your desires and just speaks truth to, hey, I have the abilities. I have the qualifications. I don't need one more certificate or degree. Mm -hmm. I'm ready and You're to ready go for to it. tackle it. Yeah. Just a quick anecdote about how imposter syndrome could hold you back or keep you small. I love that yeah. you described it that way. So when I got out of law school, I already had a job set up at a you know good defense firm. Mm -hmm. And a federal district court judge that I worked for my first year in law school as an extern, he contacted me and said, I have an opportunity for you to be a judicial clerk, which is a very coveted position. Yeah, absolutely. And it was for another federal district court judge who was hadn't been confirmed yet, but he was pretty much a done deal. Mm -hmm. And he needed a law clerk. And he said, you should apply for this. You would do really well. And I immediately panicked because traditionally to get those clerkships, you have to be in the top, top, top percent of your class mm. and, you know, have gotten excellent grades. And I was a good student. I mean, definitely. But I wasn't in the top 10%. Mm -hmm. I was editor in chief of my law review. I'd obviously done very well in this externship. Uh, of course. I was 36 years old. So I was much older than your average graduate from law school. But despite that, despite getting the recommendation from a well-known federal judge, despite having that background, I still felt I'm never going to get this. Oh. I'm never going to get this. So I went through with the interview just to be nice because the judge had given my name. Yeah. So I did it. Lo and behold, I got the offer. And I panicked even more. <laughs> <laughs> now, this panic was about what? <laughs> this panic was, oh, my God. I can't believe he believed the hype because I'm really, I can't do this. I mean, yeah. I'm not the top of my class. I don't have that kind of legal mind. Even though I'd already externed it, I still had that self-doubt. And mm. I thought this is much, much harder and more challenging than I can possibly do. Mm -hmm. Now, I covered that self-doubt with a bunch of other excuses. I already have a job. I feel bad telling them now that I'm not going to take it. I am married. I'm 36. I want to have children. This is a two-year clerkship. I'm going to be 38. I had all of these excuses, but really, I can look back now and admit it was fear. Thank you for admitting it that because it's the big F. It fear. <laughs> and when I turned it down, the judge who had recommended me was pissed. Yeah. <laughs> he was very angry that I did that. And he said, you are screwing up your career. This would have been great for your career. Yeah. And he actually picked you over a Harvard grad. And in that moment, I actually felt, oh, thank God, because if Harvard people were up for it, I definitely wasn't qualified. Wow. I mean, that is how deeply rooted yeah. this imposter syndrome was. And yeah. it's probably one of my biggest regrets in my legal careers. I passed up that opportunity because I did not feel good enough. Anastasia, you know, we've had conversations that are very deep. And I feel like this is the first time you've shared this with me, which is so honest and so real and thank you for sharing yeah. that when i share it with other lawyers they're like are you kidding me 
But I don't think that my experience or the way I handle that situation is really that rare. I do yeah. think that a lot of other lawyers have similar situations and don't tell anybody about them. Yes, and <laughs> especially when it's a profession and or a situation where it's very pedigreed. So I mean, mm -hmm. there is a certain resume, top of the iceberg type of look and accolades that you have to have. Mm -hmm or you think you should have, and if you don't have all of those things that match, then you get into hypercritical mode like you did about, oh God, I'm up against a Harvard person? Well, of course not me. And then we start making all the excuses, mm -hmm. and then really underneath that is exactly to what you said, fear. Fear of not being good enough, fear of not living up to what other people see in us. Right. I know that was big for me, and I'll get to an example about a lawyer, um, a client that I had who was an in-house lawyer in mm -hmm. the entertainment industry, and she had the same things around speaking in different venues, and mm -hmm. so her daily job wasn't necessarily to speak. It was more about the briefs and the writings, being mm -hmm. an internal in-house counsel, and so we had to work around undoing the stories and the imposter syndrome she felt around getting out there and her story and the way that she showed up being worthy, being a woman of color. You know, she felt like um, there weren't a lot of people like her doing what she was doing or wanting to do mm -hmm. in terms of getting out there and speaking. And so it, it is very prevalent for, for people and me included. I mean, an immigrant child going into a PhD program where I saw nobody really liked me doing what I wanted to do mm -hmm. in this field of coaching and organizational psychology. And so I dealt with every step of the way, can I do it? Am I worthy? And, you know, getting back up after every kind of insecure thought I had with some sort of belief of like, I mean, I need to go forward. And that was me trying to tap into my, like my inner wisdom about, yes, I belong somewhere. I'll find it. Mm -hmm. and somehow I got through it. But it's that, it's like, how do you find the courage to keep moving through it? And so when you are coaching your clients, mm -hmm. are there any concrete steps or tips that you give them to conquer this imposter syndrome? Yeah. The first thing is creating self-awareness. So really unpacking when it becomes heightened in your head and in that moment, what is the story? And I actually am a big believer of visualization. So I say, mm -hmm. give her a name. When she acts up and saying, you suck, it's not enough, you don't belong, not you, give her a name and say, first step, okay, she's acting up. So mine, <laughs> I have a name for her. Oh. And it, Sasha was her name. So <laughs> she's not like a sassy Sasha. She's just really harsh and mean. So I would notice, first step, notice what she's saying to you. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, breathe. What research has shown is that we can start to reframe and rewire our thinking in milliseconds of deep breathing. Oh. Yeah. So if you give yourself a second to breathe, you'll notice, okay, she's acting up and she's being harsh. The second thing is, what is a more supportive thing you can say to yourself? So it might be, all right, this is scary and I'm going to do it anyway. And then take a micro action. So there's three steps that if you do it consistently over time, helps you get faster and better at alleviating imposter syndrome in the moment. Now, there are other things obviously that you can do outside of the immediate context mm -hmm. that will help you feel more confident and strengthened in going into a situation. But if it's in the moment, that's why I always say to my clients, notice, reframe, so tell yourself a different story that's more supportive, and then take that micro action forward. Mm -hmm. And again, my definition of success is doing things consistently over time. Mm. 
Okay. Not perfection. Right. 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 Because that's also tied to this imposter syndrome. Yes. But doing it consistently over time strengthens that muscle. Mm. That's good advice. Yeah. That's very good advice. When you said micro action, like mm. what does that mean exactly? It means that what I know be, to be true, especially for really successful women, is like we go big, mm-hmm. go big in our fears. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh my gosh, here's a situation. And we think of the thousand reasons why we can't do it. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm asking people to do is identify the one action that will help you move forward. Okay amidst all of that. So it might be, okay, I have a speaking thing. I'm terrified. It's next week. What can I do today that will make me feel more confident tomorrow? Today, I'm going to write out my notes. That is one micro action Mm -hmm. that will get me moving forward to tomorrow and Mm -hmm. into a more confident next week. Micro actions are so critical because when we think of all the things that we can't do and the overwhelming stuff, we get stuck Mm -hmm. and we just get like into inaction right and we want to paralyze yeah we get paralyzed so what is that one small thing that will get you unlocked and moving forward closer to that goal yeah absolutely two great pieces of advice that i took away from that is one i forgot the term but it's something like don't let perfection be the enemy of good which is basically kind of what you were saying like success doesn't mean perfection no and being okay with that is what i think a lot of people in high achieving jobs particularly lawyers struggle with yeah is perfectionism equals success and that's not necessarily true not at all true yeah yeah. and the you know micro action taking that baby step I think that translates to all sorts of things you have a huge brief due or you know you don't even know where to get started I have heard that tip a lot where you just find something small that you can start with yeah and be able to move forward because here's the other thing Anastasia is when with any habit or any kind of mindset or action or or goal you have, why people don't achieve it is when they go big and think they have to go zero to 100. And if you just take a small action and you do it daily over time, you will have won the race where most people fall off and like get back to old habits and Mm -hmm. get back to old ways of doing things, just small actions over time. And then you keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great advice. So one of the centerpieces of defining imposter syndrome is self-doubt. Is that ever a good thing? Is there any times where, you know, having that self-doubt is actually good or helpful? Yeah. You know, I would say just human behavior and human psychology, it's, it is sometimes helpful to balance us out, right? I think it's realistic to be like, oh, well, do I belong here? But to the extent that it keeps you doing good work, right? Not overworking necessarily, but checking, all right, what else do I need to do to prepare myself to feel more confident? That is a healthy way of having some sort of like check on yourself. But when it's overdone or you focus too much or it's big and that is the ruling factor in your head, that's when it becomes unhealthy, Mm -hmm. right? Right. It's kind of knowing when to listen to your inner Sasha. Yeah. And putting a stop to that bully. Yes, exactly. (laughs) She's such a bully, some big bee sometimes. (laughs) She is. She is. I have to figure out what I'm going to name mine, but she's been harassing me for years. She's beaten me down into submission. I know. She's so cruel. And some people call it their inner gremlin, you Mm, know? Yeah. That's a little bit more accessible to people. It's like that gremlin that's just like gnawing at you every day and and you give it water and Mm -hmm. it gets bigger. Do you remember that? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't feed it after midnight. Don't feed it. Yeah. Go to bed. Don't stay up with insomnia thinking about your inner gremlin. (laughs) Exactly. 
real quick, just going back to the gender issue, in your experience, have you ever coached any male executives who suffer from imposter syndrome? I have, yeah. And I don't know if it'll be surprising to anyone, but yes, men face it too. I just don't think they talk about it readily. Mm -hmm. And so one that comes to mind as an example is a leader in, again, the creative field and entertainment in particular. It's a really big entertainment company. And he came to me because he wanted to really advocate for himself for that promotion that he got passed over for. Mm -hmm. And so I think he was doing a good job of looking at, okay, what are the blockers that I may have that I may not be aware of? So let's check that and then give him some tools to really radically go after that promotion. A lot of men that are high achieving probably don't go that route or don't ask for support. Mm -hmm. But I think that I commend him for doing that and wanting to take a holistic look at, okay, what are the things I could do better and differently? Mm -hmm. And there might be some legitimate factors that are holding me or have made me be looked over for previous promotions. So yeah. Yeah. He took agency of it, I he guess. He did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you said men don't really talk about the imposter syndrome. Does it manifest differently in other ways? I do. I think what I've seen is that it just is masked with more ego. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they show up bigger or they try to be larger than life or more type A than mm -hmm. they may naturally be mm -hmm. at their core as a way to really mask those insecurities. They embrace the fake it till you make it phenomenon. Amp, amp <laughs> up. And I think on the reverse, what I tend to see, of course, these are generalizations, but sure. women just downplay. They mm -hmm. shrink. Mm -hmm. They don't even physically don't take up space mm -hmm. wh where they are. And you can see it in their energy and the way they speak about themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's the way it shows up for women. Yeah, absolutely. When I was doing my research on some of the statistics, I mm -hmm. did see the way it's impacting that Women with imposter syndrome in the legal world has broader implications for the field in general. Women tend not to go for the leadership roles. Mm -hmm. They leave the profession instead, or they don't ask for equal pay. And all that does is just set up negative precedent for all of the female attorneys coming in after them. Mm -hmm. If you had to give another piece of advice other than those tips for leaders in general, not just attorneys or not just females, in finding happiness at work and believing in themselves, what would you say? I would say the number one thing that comes to mind right now is to be able to really lean into authentic leadership. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is the workforce is changing so much with you know, there's been so many news and there will continue to be around technology. So the ways that technology can help or hinder mm -hmm. the workforce. And I think that what we need as leaders is this connective tissue of being able to be vulnerable and to embody human traits of empathy, mm -hmm. of really listening, because listening is a key part of communicating. Mm -hmm. And when we can start to embrace these things as leaders that I call human leader traits and mm -hmm. skills, then we can really start to change the tides of the discussions and the ways that we behave at work, which ultimately makes up the work culture. Mm -hmm. So I think leaders, I always say it's an honor to be a leader because it's a privilege and a responsibility for shaping the lives of the people that you lead and impacting them in certain ways. And we spend so much, you know, as mm -hmm. a lawyer working at all hours. So. Yeah when we can impact it for the positive and have open and honest conversations that allow people to feel 
real, mm-hmm. I think that the world would be a better place for it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think more people need to, in all professions, need to embrace that and take it seriously. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people, they know that those are the right things they should do, but then they don't do it. They should embrace their authentic selves, maybe get therapy, seek out a leadership coach. Um, Definitely seek a leadership yes, coach. <laughs> and, and they don't, you know, yeah. again, a lot of excuses. And I think it's hard to maybe face your own demons and admit that these are some of the things that are holding you back. Mm-hmm. And there are so many resources out there. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you're one of them. Yes, I yeah. am. <laughs> and we will provide, if anybody listening would like to contact Sohi and learn about how she can help you, we're going to provide all of her contact information in the little blurb on our podcast. And you can definitely reach out to me at am at kbklawyers.com and ask me for her contact info and I will connect you. Sohi, before we close for today, can you briefly summarize your top three tips for combating imposter syndrome? Yeah, absolutely. So what I'll say in summary is the first step is to create self-awareness. And you can do that by noticing what is coming up in terms of the stories or the harsh voice. So start noticing that creates awareness. The second thing is once you've become aware is to reframe that story. So the actual question is, what's something that you can tell yourself that's more supportive in that moment? And then the last thing is identify that micro action or that next best step that you can take that will help you move forward. And when you can do these three things consistently over time, that's when you'll find success. Thank you so much for joining us today. You provided really helpful advice and I hope that people take it to heart. I know I will. You're always on me to do. <laughs> to do better and I I need to start listening to you no but you're completely right I know these things this is why I said people know this but they don't actually take the steps yeah but I think it is really important and something that I've been trying to do lately so I'm so honored to be your friend and to be here and thank you for having me thank you so much Thanks for listening to Civil Action, a podcast of Capitec LLP. If you like what you heard today, please go online and subscribe. Leave us a comment and share this podcast. You can find us on all social media platforms at Capitec LLP. You can find our website at kbklawyers.com. Please reach out to us if you have any questions or if there's anything you want to hear us discuss on the air, or if you want to come on and maybe join us and talk to us. We appreciate the feedback. We'd love to have you. Thanks very much.